Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Are you there? Did you find the book of Jude? Uh, that, that, that huge little small book uh, in the back of the Bible right before the book of Revelation. Jude verse 1, I'm going to park in verse 3. Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who are the, and I love this part, called, loved by God the Father, kept by Jesus Christ, May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write and exhort you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some men who were designated for this judgment long ago, have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into promiscuity and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Let us pray. Father, as we study your word now, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would begin working in our hearts and in our minds, that you would illuminate our mind that you would give us understanding of your word this evening. And Father, I just pray that you would give us all um, that golden nugget that we need to take home with us today, that you would feed our soul as we, as we glean from your word here this evening. We ask your blessings on our time together. We ask your blessings on the reading and the teaching and the studying of your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to look back up at verse number two real quickly and just remind you what's, what is very unique about verse number two? Do you remember? It's love, but what's unique about it? It's the only time it's mentioned in that phrase, in that category. In verse number two, it says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. It's the only time that phrase with those combinations are mentioned in the entire New Testament. And I shared that with you last evening or last Wednesday. Uh, and so I think that's pretty significant and pretty good. We get our arms around that and understand that, that he wants us to understand that in the midst of, of, of dealing with the apostates, he reminds us that God loves us. And man, I love that. Look in verse number three. We're going to continue forward and, and get as far as I can here. Boy, there's so much material here in verse number three. I'm thinking we're not going to get all the way through it this evening. We will start digging, and we'll probably dig a little bit more next week. But I want you to look at this verse together in Jude 3. And let's read it together. I got it on the screen for you because I wanted to read this together and didn't know what translations you may be using out there in, in, uh, that you may have. So I want us to read it together. So I'll put it on the screen. Let's read this. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share... I found it necessary to write and exhort you to 
What a great verse. Let's start unpacking this verse a little bit. I really want to get down to the contend for the faith and start unpacking that little phrase as we move forward. I think it's important we understand that as we begin to move forward throughout the rest of this letter. But I want you to go back up to the phrase where it says, Dear Friends. Um, Some other translation says, Dear Beloved or Dear Beloved. I want you to understand this is a this is a pastoral concern. This is a this is a pastor's heart, if you will, whenever Jude was writing to the believers and he used this very sincere pastoral phrase and concern when he said, Dear friends. You see, he was very concerned about what was taking place in the church. And when I look around, I I think, boy, let's just stop right there and bring it into the 21st century. When I look around in ministries today, I'm not so sure I see the pastoral care that that Jude had when he shared this phrase, dear friends, my, my dearly beloved, because he was so concerned about their eternal soul that he was willing to change direction in his sermon because it tells us that he wanted to speak about this common salvation. But because he had this shepherd's heart, because he had this heart to where he really cared about the well-being spiritually of his people, he now changed and shifted to where he wanted to exhort them to contend for the faith. He said, I, I found it necessary. But I want all that comes out of the, the pastoral heart that he has when he mentions that, that phrase, dear friends. This is not some shallow, empty state of just being sentimental with his people. I mean, this really came from a, a heartfelt expression of affection and love and concern for the spiritual well-being of his people. And, and I want you to know that's, that's the heart that I have. You know, sometimes I'll leave here and after preaching on Sunday and I'll get in the car and I'll drive home and I'll look over to Debbie and I think, and I'll ask her, I said, was I too hard today? Did, did, was, was I just too hard? Did I come across mean-spirited? Because I don't want to come across mean-spirited. Spirited, but if there are some things that I get really, really passionate about that I think needs to be spoken from the pulpit that sometimes I don't believe is really being shared. When you look at some a lot of these mega-ministries around the world today and they're drawing huge crowds, I really am concerned that the whole counsel of God is not being proclaimed. Right? I mean, there are some things, and you're going to see, and I'm going to share with you some of the effects of contending for the faith and some of the reactions of some of the people and what's going to take place whenever you contend for the faith. Whenever you make a stand and contend for the faith, everybody's not going to be real happy about that, right? Because the Bible says that in the last days, there'll be those that are turning from the faith and they're turning to those preachers and teachers with an itching ear to tell them what they want to hear to make their world better now. Well, it's not all about making your world better now. It's about preparing us to meet God. And one day we're going to stand before Him. So sometimes I get real passionate about that. And I don't, I, I just want to say this. I'm not angry at you. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to be mean spirited towards you, but I really get geared up about some of this because I have this, this shepherd's, this pastor's heart with protecting the truth and the doctrine of the Word of God. And we must guard that at all cost. 
Hello? We must guard the truth of the word. And, and so that's the phrase. I just wanted to point that out as we move forward. That, that Jude, he had this pastor's heart. And this is really those, that, that word dear friends or dear beloved or, or my dear brethren. It, it comes from this pastoral heart that Jude had for his people. This, this deep, heartfelt expression that he had. But also, it came from this deep conviction that he had for defending and standing on the truth of the Word of God. And so you got this twofold thing taking place in Jude's heart, which led him now, because he has this pastor's heart that he cares for his people, he has this deep conviction for the truth of the Word of God. You bring those two together, and he said, man, I just wanted to initially talk to you about this common salvation that we have. I just wanted to share with you a little bit about what we had in common. We could rally around the cross. We could exalt Jesus. We could talk about how our home is going to be in heaven. It could be just a wonderful, positive positive experience but because I've got this pastor's heart for you and because I've got this conviction for the truth of the word of God I believe that's leading Jude now to say I find it necessary when I look around in the church I'm being putting myself in Jude's position when Jude looked around in the church of his day the apostates were already there Peter had prophesied that they would be coming Jude now is proclaiming they are here and we, we think about how that just a, that's just a last days thing. And, and, and really it is because the last days began the day that Jesus ascended and went back up to heaven and the church began. That began the last days. Now we're 2,000 years plus into it. And sometimes we, we, we think we reserve these types of activity for the latter part of the 2,000 years, the day that we live. But Judas saying, hey, they're here now. And because he, he has this heartfelt compassion for his people... Because he has this deep conviction for the truth of the word of God. And he looks around and within the church he already sees the apostates that are there. Now he says, because of those factors, I find it necessary to write and exhort you. That word exhort is a military term. It's like a general standing before his army and his soldiers and he's giving them marching orders and he's telling them exactly what they must do to win the battle. That's the intensity of that word. I mean, it, it comes with, with a strong military force, if you will. He said, I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. I want to give you the marching orders. I want, I want you to go this direction. I don't want you to... I, I don't want you to poll the people and see if they are happy with us going in this direction. I don't want you to necessarily survey the community and see what everybody wants and see if it's okay if we go this direction. No, no, no. He said, I exhort you, I command you, I encourage you, contend, fight for the faith and the truth of the Word of God. So do you see, you know, I kind of unpack that when you really start digging some of these words and, and you see the heartbeat of Jude, it really just jumps off the page at you. He has this passionate heart for his people. He has this deep conviction for the word of God. He's looking around and he sees wolves among the sheep. And he's saying, guys, I just really wanted to have a pep rally with you. My, my, my full purpose at the beginning was just to talk about this wonderful common salvation, just to brag on Jesus and lift up the cross and, and talk about heaven one day. And he said, I wanted to have this real easy message. <laughs> However, he said, I found it necessary 
to write and exhort you to contend for the faith. Man, that's pretty good stuff right there, huh? Well, let's go a little bit further. Dear friends, there's that pastoral term. Although I was eager, and he really wanted to, write about the salvation we share, this common salvation, I found it necessary to write and exhort you, I've already unpacked that a little bit, that you contend for, for what? For the faith, right? You contend for the faith. Whatever the case was that Jude changed his mind in writing, he wanted us to get to the point to where we understood that we needed to contend for the faith of the word of God. Now, whenever Jude is writing about and referring to faith, contend for the faith in Jude 3, I want you to understand that he is not speaking about some nebulous religious rules of some religious denomination. Okay? He's not, he's not saying just contend for the, the Apostles' Creed or just contend for whatever the church says. He's telling us to contend for the faith. Well, what is the faith? The faith is the core of the salvation experience that he initially wanted to write about, this common salvation that we have. The reason he, we even have this common salvation is because of the faith of the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's the word of God he's wanting us to contend for. It's the doctrine. It's, it's the faith of, of the word of God. Really, it boils down to the fundamentals of the word of God. It's God's objective truth. And guys, I know we live in this postmodern world today. We live in a world where people say there really is no truth. You know, what's right with you may not necessarily be right with me. What's wrong with you may not necessarily be wrong with me. And, you know, you got your right, I got my right. You got your wrong, I got my wrong. You got your do-nots, I got my do-nots. You got you, you know, on and on and on it goes. But I want you to know that there are and there is still truth in this day we live in. And the truth is found in the Word of God. And I kind of told myself all day I wasn't going to go here, but I really can't help it. I'm so passionate about you spiritually, and I've got some deep conviction for the Word of God. Where in the world? Who in the world? What in the world are we thinking when we want to allow gays in the Boy Scouts? Holy smoke. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's my wife's favorite phrase, and it's kind of rubbed off on me now. I hear it all the time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> she says it way too much. <laughs> and it's probably because of me. But I'm thinking, somebody's just not thinking. Hello? Is it okay to go here? I believe Paul went there in the book of Romans. Whenever he made a hard line stand against homosexuality hello now listen people say you can't preach on that you, you that's too hard and and they'll think you don't love listen I love them and because I do love them I'm gonna preach hard on it hello I mean listen I, I know there's there's people in my family that are caught up in that lifestyle I'm talking about close family and you may have some in your family and man I love them 
But I can't back down preaching the truth of the Word of God because of that. Hello? Somebody's just not thinking. I don't know. My kids are grown now and they kind of go their own way and do their own thing. But I tell you what, when I was raising my son and he's 5, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever, I'm not going to send him off in the back 40 across the other side of the mountain, across three creeks, go up on behind two big trees and put up a tent when I know the scout leader's gay. Are you kidding me? Hello? I don't know how I got there, but man, I, I know how I got there because we got to contend for the, for the truth of the Word of God. And whenever you make stands like that and you say that is wrong, there are people that just don't like that. As a matter of fact, sometimes, unfortunately, there's people that don't want to sit in a church where they hear that is wrong because now they say we're being judgmental. Well, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just proclaiming to you the whole counsel of God. One day, every single one of us are going to have to stand before God and give an account. Hello? Say amen or oh me. I'm glad you said amen. Didn't have to say oh me right there. That's good. Jude is wanting us to contend for what? To contend for the faith. To contend for what I believe he's unpacking as the fundamentals of the faith. The truth of the word of God. Take a stand on that, Jude is saying. If it hair lips the devil, <laughs> you can tell there's a little backwood in me because there's an old saying I used to say when I was a boy that sometimes I think, man, I can't really bring that into the pulpit, but man, it was there and I just barely caught it. And it wasn't really bad, but I used to say, boy, I don't care if it hair lips the devil and your mama. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Right? <laughs> well, we got to stand for the truth. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have even brought that up. That takes me way back. <laughs> we got to stand for the truth, the fundamentals of the faith. What, what, are, some, what are some of these fundamentals? What, what are What is the truth? I mean, if we're going to say, and by the way, if you're taking class 101 lately, I just broke out in a sweat right there. I probably shouldn't have said that a while ago. <laughs> In class, in class 101, we, we talk about in, the, in essentials, we have unity. In non-essentials, we have liberty. In all things, we have charity, which is love. I mean, we really try to drill that home in, in, in our membership class. And then we unpack what the essentials are. And we go through some of our doctrinal beliefs. And, and, and we just simply say in our membership class, if we can't rally around this together then really we're not a good match for being a member of our church and, and what you're going to be hearing here. I mean, that's the message we're trying to get across in that class. And, and I tell everybody, hey, come kick the tires. Victory Church may or may not be for you, but come at least hear where we stand, what we stand on. And, and one of the things that, that I personally take a, a hard stand on is the truth of the Word of God. This, this must be elevated above everything else that we say or do. I mean, if there's not chapter and verse for it, man, I don't even want us involved in it. I don't even want us doing it, right? So, so what are some of the fundamentals of the faith? What are some of the things that, that, man, we must contend, we must strive to protect, we must, we must fight? I mean, it's really fighting orders. It's, it's marching orders. I mean, you, you understand that 
we as believers in Christ Jesus are, are, are to put on the armor of God. And, and every day when we put on the armor of God, we're not doing that to go to a ballerina show. Okay? We're doing that because we're going to a battle. And the battle we're going to is a spiritual battle. Well, we are standing against the wiles of Satan and the demons of hell and the devil himself and, and, and those that are trying to sell out the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to draw a crowd and make a whole lot of money. We as God's people must come together and say, hey, I am going to rally together to contend for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is, what is that? What are some of those fundamentals? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a great question, and we need to understand what it is we are standing and contending for. What are we defending? What are we protecting? What are we, what are we using as a gauge of whether someone is becoming an apostate or not? Well, let me give you, there, there's really five areas that, that we kind of camp in whenever we're thinking about the fundamentals of the faith. And these five areas can be broken down. There's specific doctrines dealing with each one as you bore and dig a little deeper. But, but generally, there's, there's five areas that, that we must think about whenever we're thinking about contending for the faith. What is it I'm contending for? I believe the first area is the Trinity. Guys, we must stand on the doctrine of the Trinity of God. Listen, there aren't three separate gods, there's one God. I heard one, I heard one preacher put it this way, there's one what and three who's. Right? There's one God, and He's made up of three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And each one of them share the exact same attributes. There's not one that has more, there's not one that has more attributes or more knowledge than the other. They're, they're God. It's God. He's God. Right? So, I mean, God knows what God's thinking. Hello? But they manifest themselves in three different persons. There's God the Father. And the Bible teaches us that God is a spirit, right? But then there's God the Son, which came incarnate in the flesh through the Virgin Mary, Born in this world, I think he laid aside some of his attributes in order to come down from heaven and, 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 and carry out the wonderful plan of salvation that the scripture tells us that was already put in place before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. Before Genesis 1-1, the plan of salvation had already been taken care of. It had already been laid out. Scripture talks over and over again how Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the earth. Now, not literally, but kind of figuratively. The plan was already in place. It was all, the process was already ready. You remember there's one word that's not in our God's vocabulary. It's the word uh-oh. Hello? Do you really think when God created Adam and Eve and put, put, put them in the garden that it really just blew his mind that they took of the unforbidden fruit? Hello? If it did, we need to find another God because he's not a very big God. Right? He knew what was going to happen. The plan was already in place, but, but here's where he was getting through the whole thing. He could, have, he could have removed all form of evil and any type of temptation. He could have removed all of that and demanded that we worship him and love him. But true, genuine love never comes when I demand you to love me. True love comes when I get to make a choice and I choose to love you. 
I don't have time to unpack all of this stuff. But anyhow, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The next part of the fundamental of the faith that we are to contend for, the second phase is Jesus. That Jesus was 100% God, but at the same time, he was 100% man. In other words, whenever we're thinking about Jesus, we believe that he is the Son of God. We believe that he lived a sinless life for 33, 33 and a half years that he walked this earth. He lived sinless. He did not commit one sin. He was the lamb without spot nor blemish. Hello? There was no sin in him whatsoever. He is the sinless son of God. We believe he was virgin born. We believe he lived a sinless life. We believe he went to the cross. He died there on the cross. He didn't just get a concussion. Hello? He didn't fall asleep and then wake up. He wasn't knocked out and then came to. I mean, these are arguments for the empty tomb. He died. Matter of fact, most men would have died a whole lot longer than when he did with all the scourging that he went through and the beating that he went through, but he died on the cross. We also believe that he was buried. We also believe that after three days he rose from the grave. God brought him up from the grave. He walked among the people for 40 years in his resurrected body. He ate and drank with them, and then he ascended up into heaven in Acts chapter number 1. And then something else we believe, and this kind of gets into the other areas, the second coming of Christ. Remember in Acts 1 when the, man, the men are standing around, they're looking up into heaven gazing. These two men came, hey, why do you stand gazing up heaven? And I love what he says. He says, this same Jesus shall come again as you have seen him go. So the second coming is part of the contending for the faith. That's kind of the third part. But I want to go back to the Jesus part. 100% God, 100% man, 100% deity, 100% humanity at the same time. You say, how could that be? Did he ever demonstrate his deity and his humanity? Oh, several times. One of the times that I think about when he demonstrated his humanity and his deity at the very same time was when he was out on the ship. You remember the storm came. The disciples were all excited and they were all afraid and they were all wondering why Jesus is asleep. Well, why was he asleep? He's been doing ministry, man, and ministry's tough. Right? He's been serving, he's been healing, he's been preaching, he's been teaching. He is exalted, exhausted. And what Jesus is doing, he's showing us his humanity. He is exhausted, he is asleep in the storm. But immediately, as soon as the disciples wake him up and say, Jesus, you got to do something, this storm is going to overtake us, he stands on the bow of the ship and he says, Peace, be still. And the wind stopped and the waves settled down and everything was beautiful. What did Jesus exhibit for us? He exhibited his humanity, but at the same time he showed us his deity. He was 100% man. At the same time, he was 100% God. Do we have another illustration in the Bible where something like that took place? Yeah, we do. Glad you asked. In John 11, remember when, when Jesus went to Mary and Martha and they called him and they went to Lazarus' tomb and Lazarus had been dead now for quite a while and Jesus said while he's there, he did something. Remember, he, he cried, he wept. He wept because his beloved friend had died and, and, and those that he loved, Mary and Martha, he loved them dearly, he spent a lot of time with them, was very, very close in a relationship with them and, and, and they were grieving over the death of their brother and he was grieving with them in his humanity. But at the same time in his deity, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And boom, he came forth and the Bible talks about how somebody had to unwrap him because they had had him prepared for burial. I like that. And someone said, why did he say Lazarus? 
because I believe that if he hadn't said Lazarus, he just said, come forth, and every dead person that had been buried was going to come out of the grave. That's how much power he had in his word. 100% God, but at the same time, 100% man. Is there another place in Scripture where we see his humanity and his deity kind of paralleling together? I think another place, I want to take you to the garden Remember a couple weeks ago I shared with you how God takes us to the garden. He takes us to the desert and he'll take us to the cross in our discipleship and growing us. Jesus was at the garden. While he's there in the garden, I think we see part of his humanity. When he was grieving and he looked into the cup and he knew what lied before him. He knew that the cross and death was before him. And he said, oh God, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. There I think we saw him in his humanity. And the Bible talks about his sweat became great drops of blood. But then you fast forward three days later and there you see his deity. When yes, they crucified him and he died. But he went in the tomb and he came out victoriously. So guys, that's one of the things that we, 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 we fight. Those, those, those are fighting areas. We must contend for the faith of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he was, and what he did, and how he lived. He wasn't just a good teacher, although he was a good teacher. He wasn't just a good public figure that did a lot of good for society, although he did all those things. Listen, he was and is the sinless son of God that was virgin born, that went to the cross and died, that was buried and resurrected the third day and ascended up to God in heaven and there is making intercession for you and for me so that one day through him and through the blood that was shed on Calvary, we now can stand before a holy God clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and not in ourselves. and because of Jesus, we are worthy now to get to heaven. Hello? We got to fight for that. And I just don't have much patience for somebody that preaches the gospel and Jesus is not part of the gospel. Paul wrote about that. He said, let them be accursed, anathema, destroyed, annihilated. If someone comes and preaches to you another gospel, which Paul said in Galatians is not another gospel because that was Paul's way of saying there is no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you know, I hope you know that as long as I stand behind this pulpit, we are going to proclaim the word of God. This church was built on the Word of God through the preaching over the years. But literally, it's even built on the Word of God. Within our, within our foundation, our cornerstone, Daryl and I laid the Bible there and poured concrete over it. As you walked in, I came and wrote Scripture in all of these studs and these doorways. and There's Scripture everywhere. On the foundation all the way around this building, there's Scripture. Literally, under this pulpit, under this platform, is a copy of God's Word. We want to build our church on the authority of the word of God we must contend for that hello Whew. what time is it guys we got to fight for that we live in an age where folks are just sell out to that to draw a crowd 
listen, I've got great plans about the future of this church, and I've got great vision for the future of this church, and I believe there's a great God that can walk us through the whole process of the whole thing. And in, in my humanity, and I look at myself, I get very weak, I get very tired, I get very frustrated. But, but when, I, when I scoot up to the table and I get up next to God's Word and I get up next to God, man, I just feel like we could, we could charge hell with a water pistol, swing over it on a spaghetti noodle, and know that, hey, with all things God are possible... And I'm looking forward to what God's going to do here. But I promise you this, I will not compromise or sell out the Word of God to build another building. If we can't fill this one up preaching the Word of God, then we'll just keep preaching until one day we can fill this one up preaching the Word of God. But there's something in me that believes that, that there is a culture today that's sick and tired of all the junk that's going on in our world today. There's, I don't know, there's something in me that believes that people are hungry for truth they just haven't discovered where it is and that's why we've got to be careful that we don't let the lines get blurred that we don't somehow let them get erased we must do like Jude said and this is all my introduction by the way I haven't even got to my message yet <laughs> we must contend for the faith what is the faith? the fundamentals, the trinity Jesus, 100% God, 100% man thirdly, the second coming and I already alluded to that just a moment ago. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, several, a lot of other passages of Scripture talks about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know people, have, we have the naysayers out there that said, yeah, I've heard that preached all my life. And he hasn't come yet. Listen, the fact that he hasn't come does not change the fact that he is coming. He is coming. And we better be ready. One day we will stand before him. The second coming is something else we, we, we drill in and, and we must contend for and stand for. The other area I think is a fundamental of the faith that we must contend for is the area of salvation, how someone is saved. The Bible teaches that we are saved by grace through faith, faith in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. We're not saved through our baptism. We're not saved through good works. We're not working our way to heaven. You know, we're not saved by... by by being a church member we're saved when we are born again when we realize that we have sinned and, and that's kind of the hardest place to get people nowadays you know we don't want to offend anyone hello you don't, you don't want to offend anybody I mean you don't want to tell somebody they're sinful do you well if you're going to get somebody saved you got to get them lost hello let me say that again. Let that sink in. If you're going to get somebody saved, you must get them lost. In other words, you've got you to gotta share with them that, hey, you are a sinner. I am a sinner. We are all born into this world a sinner. We have a sin nature, right? And you can't do enough good works to get there. You say, well, I'll get there by my good works. My question to you is, how much is enough? When do you ever know if you've done enough good works? Well, I just keep doing good works and one day I'll get to heaven and, and, and I'll stand before God and he'll put me on the scale and hopefully my, my good works out, outweigh my bad works and, and hopefully he'll let me in heaven. Really? You're going to base all eternity off of that? Listen, I've got a sure way you can get to heaven. But you're going to have to realize you're lost. You're going to have to realize you're a sinner that needs a Savior. Hello? So, <laughs> salvation, grace through faith. In the, in the fifth area... And each one of these five areas, you can really drill down and unpack more doctrines with each one of them. But the fifth area is the Scripture, the Word of God. We believe this is God's book. 
This is, listen, this does not simply contain the Word of God. This is the Word of God. You got to be careful right there. There's a play on words. A lot of liberal theologians and liberal believers say, oh, yeah, maybe it contains God. I believe there's some in there that's God. I don't know that I agree with all of it. Listen, this is God's Word. As the old country preacher back in the mountains of North Carolina used to say, from kiver to kiver. That means I'll translate from cover to cover. From kiver to kiver, this is God's Word. From beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. It is the infallible, inspired, God-breathed Word of God. And it should have the final authority in every single one of our lives. We should should bow to this Word. We should submit to this Word. This is the Word of God. And people come up all the time. As a matter of fact, I did a series of question and answer several years ago and they're even on the podcast you have to go down through the years and find it but there was a series of of tough questions that people had and I even addressed some people came and said where are the lost books well I don't believe there's any books that are lost I believe we have exactly what God wanted us to have hello and I answer that more in detail you can go find that podcast and pull that up but here's what we need to contend for we need to contend for the faith the fundamentals of the faith And guys, I promise you, I really just got started, but it's 8 o'clock, and so we got to stop right there. But we'll pick up next week and continue to move forward. What a great book. Is this not an amazing book? Short little epistle, what, 25 verses long, but I want to put out a disclaimer. It hadn't been too rough yet. The road hasn't been too bumpy as of yet. But we're fixing to go over some rough terrain. Jude unpacks it straight. Okay? And so we're going to hit a few bumps along the way. And it's going to get a little rough. And, you know, it may not be necessarily politically correct when you hear it. But it is the Word of God. And I hope and pray we all want that. Okay? I believe we do. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.